Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. Are you guys awake? Are you awake? Are you ready? Are you into it? Are you out of it? Are you under it? Are you on top of it? That's what I'm talking about. All right, everybody, check it out. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. We are in the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi. Is that Avery? Dude, what's up? Avery in the house. Um, So go ahead and open up your Bibles, the book of Malachi. If you do not have a Bible, my homeboy JJ right now is passing around Bibles. He's got Bibles for days. If you're here, anybody here that does not own a Bible? Anybody here that does not have a personal Bible at home? Dude, today is your day. Keep that Bible. It's yours. From Citizens to Tristan. Everybody go, we love you, Tristan. And they're proving it by giving you a Bible. We are in the book of Malachi chapter one. And so for those of you who are new, for those of you who are newer to citizens, whether today's your first day or, or you've been here for a few weeks now, what we are about to do, what we are about to do is of the utmost importance here at Citizens. This is who we are. This is what we are about. Shh, shh, shh. This is what we are about. And so if you're new here, you'll notice that for the next 35 minutes or so, you're not going to see people that like call this their youth group. You're not going to see people on their phones playing Flappy Bird. You're not going to see a lot of, you're not going to see a lot of street fighter or whatever, right? We're going to put away our phones and you're going to notice that there's a, there's a certain posture in the room. Sit forward, homeboy, sit forward, right? You're going to notice a lot of attentiveness, all right? If you're new here, you're going to notice there's not a lot of people that are getting up, shh, shh, shh. There's not a lot of people that are getting up during the message and just all of a sudden realizing that they're 75 years old and can't control their bladders, okay? There's not gonna be a lot of potty emergencies because what we are doing right now is perhaps the most important thing that we do all week. One of the most important things that we do all week. We open up the Bible, we listen to God's word, not just to a people thousands of years ago, but God's word to you. And we ask ourselves the question as we open up these pages, as we read it carefully, as we lean forward, lean forward, right? As we lean forward, we ask ourselves the question, what is God saying to me? And then the second question is like it. What are you going to do about it? What is God saying to me? And then what am I going to do about it? And so we're going to open up to the book of Malachi. We're continuing. This is episode two in our Fear the Name series. And so as you guys open up, I want to ask you a question, right? I I want you guys to tell me if you understand this. There are certain people in certain positions that deserve a certain honor. Do you know what I'm talking about? There are certain people in our lives in, in a certain position of authority and the nature of their position demands honor. If my boy Joe walks into the room, right, he comes into my house and he's like, yo, what's up, it's Joe. And I'm like, Joe, what's up? Right? And 
I'm like, hey, like, it's just Joe, right? He's just my boy. I come up, I'm like, hey, how you doing, man? He just sits on the couch and whatever. It's just Joe. But then there's certain people that they come in and it's a whole nother level, right? There's certain people that are in a position that there's no casualness to hear. There's a certain authority that comes with their position that my relationship with them is on a whole nother level. And it's one of honor. I wasn't always very good at honoring authority. I was in the 10th grade in driver's ed class with Mr. Tatusco. Exactly. We called him Frank the Tank, which goes to show you the point of my story here. But I did not have very much honor or respect for Mr. Tatusco. I often spoke back, I often talked out of turn, I often disrespected him to his face, and one day it came to a head. And we're in class, we're in driver's ed, and I'm obviously convinced of the value of this information. And, and I'm sitting there and he's talking and every single thing that he says, insert sarcastic comment here, right? And so boys, you're gonna need to know that if you ever get pulled over, yeah, because that's important. And then you're gonna need to, yeah, because that's super important. And it just, it just I'm peppering it, right? And you hear everybody else in my class just going, And so this is why insurance companies, you see, the way that they deny your liability. Yeah, we know this already, Mr. Tatusco. Sam, what are you doing? And it finally comes to a head. He's so ticked with my comments. He's trying to ignore me. He's trying to talk over me. He's trying every trick in the teacher's book, which I read, right? And finally, it just, it just boils to a point. And finally, he's like, just shut up, Sam. I see your eyebrows. See that look, right? I see you just peed your pants. Right? <laughs> There's some of you in this room that have so much fear and respect for authority that right now you're dying. All right? And you're like, <laughs> boom! Right? Like, and then some of you in here are like, yeah, dude, whatever. I talk to my teacher like that all the time, right? <laughs> and he looks at me. You can just tell he's headed up to here. He looks around the room and he's like, just shut up, Sam! And you can just feel the entire class. They look at me, right? Has he learned it yet? Like, is he, is he finally gonna submit? Is he finally gonna have a soft heart and just bite his tongue? And I sat there, because my reputation's on the line, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what should I say? I don't wanna, and I just go, all right, fine, I'll shut up. Boom, boom, whoof. I put my feet on the desk and I open up like our school newspaper that they gave up that and just open it up really big like this. And he goes, that's it! Right, this dude got redder than red. Like, we called him Frank the Tank for a reason, you know, but he's just like veins, bulging, ah, that's it, right? He like literally acted like, that's it, to the principal's office. And the whole class at this point, they're like. And I'm walking out of the room, insert sarcastic comment here, about time. And I walk out the room. There are certain positions with certain people that require a certain level of honor. 
And just like I see on your faces, just like I see the eyebrows from Sammy and I see the gasping from Kira, and the set, I'm seeing in the room, we, when we see that those certain people don't receive the honor they deserve, we all feel it, don't we? We all get that cringe in our stomach, we get that pit in our gut, and we just go, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? And that's exactly the feeling we're gonna get today because Malachi the prophet comes to Israel and he calls them out and he says, you are not giving God the honor that he deserves. And so Malachi, he's about to give them a lesson and as a result, he's about to give you a lesson on honor and fear. Let's pick it up, starting in verse six, check it out. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? The point is clear here, right? The first thing we see is that God's people are not honoring him in the way that he deserves. God's people are not honoring him in the way that he deserves, students. And so to prove his point, what God does, he appeals to a couple of human relationships that we all are familiar with. And he talks about a father and a son and a master and his servant, or maybe a common expression of that today, a modern day, a a boss and a coworker. And so God, he points to these, these human relationships because we all understand the dynamics here, right? We all get it. We all understand what it's like. Oh, a father and a son. Oh, I I get it. There's there's honor there. There's reverence and respect for his authority. Oh, how many of you guys have jobs, right? So see, when he says a master and a servant, you get it. You go, oh, I, I get it. My boss demands a certain level of respect and authority. And so he appeals to these these earthly relationships, and he says, guys, every single person in this room, you you understand that a father deserves respect, and a boss, and a lord, a master deserves honor, and yet, here's my problem. Israel, they're not honoring their heavenly father. Israel is not giving the respect and the fear that their heavenly lord deserves. And so we can all agree on this. In these relationships, honor and fear is expected. Everybody say honor. Honor. Say fear. Fear. Now check it out. Students, these are core concepts here, okay? You have to understand these terms, not just for this series, but for the rest of your life. So let me break these down for you, okay? To honor someone simply means this. To recognize the weight and importance of the position. So when I was talking to Mr. Tatusco, there was zero sense in my body that said, whoa, this is the teacher, right? This is, the the weight of his position was beyond me. Make sense? The weight and the importance of that role. Dude, he's the teacher. I had no honor. I didn't get that. So the opposite of honor would be a statement like this. He's not that big of a deal, right? That's what I was saying to Frank the Tank, right? The fact that I even called him Frank the Tank was disrespect, right? You don't feel the weight of their position. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody shrugged their shoulders. It's not that big, right? That's the opposite of honor. The second word here is super important, and it's fear. It's fear. To fear the Lord. When you see this phrase in Scripture, students, this does not mean like, um, like I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm terrified of an abusive authority, right? I fear this dude because he beats me up. I fear this girl because she just like completely like, you know, berates me with her words. When the Bible talks about fear of the Lord, it's not like this like, I'm scared because he's mean and I'm scared because he's volatile and I'm scared because I don't know what to expect. The fear, to fear simply means it's a feeling of profound respect and reverence for authority. And so did I fear Mr. Tutusco? No. Not meaning was I scared of him. I mean, did I have that deep reverence? Did I have that respect? No, I didn't. In the Bible, whenever it talks about fearing the Lord, that fear of the Lord always, always results in obedience and loyalty. Okay? The way that you can tell if someone fears the Lord, according to the scriptures, is you look at their life. Is their life resulting in obedience and loyalty? And that's what it means to fear. And so God's point here in the very beginning, in verse, in verse, uh, uh, verse 6, he says that his people do not honor and fear his name. Look what he says, right? He, well, we'll go there. Look what he says, right? It's my, my class picture. He says that they're not giving such honor and fear to their God. He says, where's my honor? Because we understand that there are earthly relationships that demand honor. And so you can add any to this. We have father, son. We have work. What about a principal? We can add to that. Our pastors. We, we think about those positions, right? We think about our, our, our administrators and, and, the, and the people who teach us and our leaders. And we just understand earthly relationships require honor. And yet, Israel is not giving God the honor that he deserves. He says, where's my honor? Israel. Where is my honor? They don't fear the name of the Lord, friends. Look what it says. They actually despise it. Okay? They don't have fear and honor for the Lord. They don't, they don't fear his name, meaning, this is another definition here, right? Time out. Like, when you talk about somebody's name, that's not talking about, oh my gosh, Hosea, what a funny name, right? Like, I don't like your name. No, no, the, the, in the Bible, the concept of the name, meaning the person, okay? Whenever you see in the Bible, the name of the Lord, it's not like, how do you spell his name? No, no, the name of the Lord, it's an expression that means him. It's, it's, it's all, everything that they know about his characteristics and his nature is captured in his name. A person's name represents who they are. So when the Bible says that you don't fear the name of the Lord, they're saying you don't fear the Lord. And so Israel, they're not honoring and fearing the Lord. They're not honoring his name. Instead, they're despising it. You know what it means to despise something? You're like, yeah, I came from math class today, dude. I know about despising, right? You'll get that later. To despise simply means this, to treat something as worthless. When you treat something as worthless, when you go, dude, that's not even worth my time. When you act as if something deserves to be detested, you go, oh, dude, this. There's nothing about that attitude. There's nothing about my eyebrows there that go, this is worthy of my time. And so Israel, are not, they're not honoring or fearing the name. Instead, they're despising it. And just like when I told you the story about Mr. Tetusco, you guys should start to read this. You should start to see the accusation. And everybody in this room right now should go. 
The same faces that you made when you saw me despise Mr. Tetesco, and when you hear God, the Lord of hosts, call out people and say, you're not honoring my name, you're despising it. If my homeboy walks into my room and I don't stand up, and I go, what up, dude? It's not a big deal. If the Queen of England walks into my house, that same action is completely inappropriate because of that position. You're like, how many times does the Queen of England come over your house? Dude, she's awesome. She comes over every Tuesday, tea time. Invite only. I said it's on Tuesdays. It's not today. Do you see what's happening here? They are not giving God the honor that they deserve. And right now, we all in this room, we're going, dude, this is completely inappropriate. This is completely improper for God's people. What? They're not giving God the honor that he deserves? They're not, not only are they not giving him honor, they're actually despising the Lord. And we pause here, students, because you know what my prayer is? Like when I read this, when you, and I'm pausing here because I want you to feel the weight of this verse. It's not like, oh, and then the next verse, you do not honor my name. Where's my honor? You don't honor my name. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord. This is not the kind of God that our culture creates that's like Santa Claus in the sky. Well, God just loves me, and he's fluffy, and he just wants me to be happy. You know when you go over to your grandparents' house and they tell you the same story for the 47th time? Yes, okay, right? And you're just like, yes, Grandma. I feel like we treat God like that sometimes. We have this like, we roll our eyes and we go, all right, God, you don't want me to wink, wink, you know? That's not God. We talked about last week. This is the Lord of hosts. This is the battle name of God. And when we read this accusation, shh, shh, in the back, right here, right? When we read this accusation, everything inside of us should say, God, expose any part of our hearts that are casual toward you. Say that right now. God, expose any part of our hearts that are casual toward you. God, take away any parts of my heart that, that don't fear you, that don't honor you. God, remove the parts of my heart that when I think about you, I go, oh yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Dude, citizens, may this be a community that is, that is purged of our casualness toward God. When we hear his word, may there be a holy hush, may there be a reverence even that we don't go, oh, it's just the Bible, we go, whoa, this is God's word. May we feel the weight, like we talked about in honor, may we feel the weight of what's happening when we talk to God. May we fear him, that not meaning we're scared of him because he may hurt us, no, no, we fear, meaning we respect and revere who he is. Check your hearts. Is there any part of your heart that is overly casual toward the Lord? And if there is, you repent and you say, God, help me. Make sense? And so Israel, their heart is on full display. He's calling them out. They do not honor God. And then look what they say, right? When they're, when they're not honoring him, look what he says. He says, where's my honor? And then students, look at their eyebrows. Look at their eyebrows, right? When they're called and confronted on their sin, look what they say. He says, hey, you who despise my name. And they say, 
How have we despised your name, right? And so when somebody calls you out in your sin, what do your eyebrows do? When your friend comes to you, when your parents come to you and call you out on your sin, do you do, you do this? Do you do the, the right? That, that, when your eyebrows go down, you have a soft heart. You're, you're showing, you're right. You're right. But do their eyebrows go down? Which way do their eyebrows go? Before they even say a word, right? Hey, you're despising Israel. You're not honoring my name. And look what they do. They go, before they even say it, you already see it, right? Defensive. They're pushing back. What? How, how have we despised your name? How have we despised? And they're going to make God prove it to them. <laughs> they're, they're, instead of just humbly letting God expose their hearts, they go, how have we despised your name? And God is about to say to them, he's like, you, you want me to prove to you? How you despise my name? Let me show you exhibit B. Last week we saw exhibit A. This week we see exhibit B. He says, you, you want to know how you despise my name? Exhibit B, look at the altar. You want to see how you despise my name? Look at the way you approach the altar. Check it out. By offering polluted food upon my altar. <laughs> but you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals, everybody say blind animals. Blind. You know what blind animals means in the original Hebrew language? It means blind animals. This means animals that cannot see out of their optical nerves. Boof. <laughs> kitty, kitty over here. Oh, kitty went off the cliff. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those that are lame or sick, lame doesn't mean not cool, lame means you can't walk. Why does Kitty have three legs? Ah, uh, long story. When you offer animals that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And so what God is saying here, he says, exhibit B, let's look at the altar. Look at the altar. Their attitudes toward God are seen in the way that they approach the altar. And so let me give you some history here, okay? We built, no, we didn't build it. We actually archaeologized, we dug up. We found this, alt, we found this old school Israelite altar right here in Washington. It was crazy. We just cleaned it up and we dug it out. And so what we learned from the altar, when you look at ancient Israel and the way that they practiced the altar, this was everything. This was everything. In the Bible, there were many different types of sacrifices. And so sometimes they would bring grain, right? Sometimes they would bring pigeons. Sometimes they would bring lambs. Guys, bring out the lamb. We have tonight a real live no, we don't, but everybody's head was like, Burr! right? Got him, right? Dude, did I ever tell you guys a story about the middle school pastor who sacrificed a goat? Story for another day, dude, no joke. Conclusion, he didn't lose his job. Another day, I promise I'll tell you, right? And so, dude, the altar, they would bring these sacrifices to the temple. They would bring these animals or these grains. They'd bring these things to the temple as a way to worship God, as a way to worship God. Now, note here, this is huge. 
high school students, you know this from the academy, middle school students, pay attention. They didn't bring sacrifices to earn God's favor. That's paganism. Paganism, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, all the same, they have the same concept. The more you do for the God, the more he'll bless you. They weren't bringing their sacrifices to earn God's favor. They were bringing it to respond because they already were favored by God, right? God had already blessed them. And so all of these sacrifices, they would bring their best as a way to say, God, I'm thankful for who you are. They would bring their sacrifices as a way to say, God, this is how much I love you. God, I, you, you've given me everything I have. So here, here's my very best. Here's the best lamb that I have. Here's the best cow that I have. Here's the best ox that I have. The animal, not the ox cord. My academy students are brilliant. <laughs> and so they bring their very best. They bring these sacrifices. They bring their different kinds of worship to honor God. This is the way that they express their reverence and devotion to God. And then we arrive at our story today and we find, we look at our text here and we find that they have polluted the altar. So they came to this point, instead of, instead of expressing their fear and their reverence for God by bringing their very best, right? Instead of expressing fear and, and honor of God's name by bringing things that are, that are pure and, and, and perfect sacrifices and perfect animals and, and a way to say, God, you deserve the very best, they started to pollute the altar. And we find, and again, think of Mr. Tesco, every single one of you right now are like, don't even bring that near the altar. Dude, that's the altar. This is the place where we bring our very best to God. This is the place that as we smell the meat burning and we're like, mmm, lamb chop. This is the place that when we smell the aroma, that smell has become associated in our minds with the worship of God. And so the incense and the aroma, we started to associate that with, dude, we, we, that's the, that good smell, that's for you, Lord. That's the very best that I have. God, you deserve it. And you see me bring these out and every single one of you are like, do what? Don't desecrate the altar. But that's what they did. And they start showing up and they go, ah, dude, he's, he's kind of blind. But I mean, just give it to God, right? Hey, honey, the ox, he fell into the, to the crevice and broke his back. Eh, just bring it to the altar tomorrow at tabernacle time, eh? Right? They start having these animals that like, they, did, they weren't even their animals, but they started warring and they started taking other people's animals by violence. So they started fighting with people, they're beating each other up and they steal their sheep and they go, oh shoot, it's time for the offering. Um, I don't really wanna give my stuff. Uh, take that sheep that I stole with violence, right? Just take that, take, take the, the ox that we found, right? So they start bringing their stuff to the, to the altar and, and maybe there's a righteous person there that like calls them out and goes, dude, what, why does your animal smell? Did, did you slaughter it today the way you're supposed to? Hey, dude, between me and you, I actually found this like in an alley and it kind of has worms and boils. So like, just shh, it's for the Lord. It's not that big of a deal. And they pollute the altar. Every single person right now, you should, what? They're, 
you just, they're doing their pledges, right? They're doing their, their annual pledges. All right, so what are you going to pledge to the fund this year in your offering for the Lord? Well, we pledge we're going to give our very best ox, you know, the firstborn, the most expensive ox that we have. We're going we're gonna to give old Timmy to the Lord. And then the day shows up, and they're like, dude, forget Timmy, dude. He's a moneymaker, man. Uh, what's that other animal's name that, that we found, right? The one that has no back legs and drags himself everywhere he goes. Right? Where's that cow? Where's that cow that limps? And every time she misses a step, it's like squirts milk everywhere. That's making a mess. Just pick that up and go to the altar. And the altar is no longer a place where they're expressing their devotion. It's now a trash heap where they get rid of the worst stuff. Do you get it? Do you see what they're doing to the altar? And students, it's not because they're poor, okay? Guys, give them a break. They didn't get a tax refund, and things have been hard, and so they're doing their best. No, they are not poor. They're not bringing these things because they don't have enough resources. They're bringing these things in their hands because of what's in their hearts, okay? They're bringing these things, these lame and blind animals, to the altar, not because they don't have money. They're bringing these things in their hands because of what's going on in their hearts. And we learn a super important principle here. We learn that our hearts are actually reflected in our hands. Our attitudes, the attitudes of your heart, students, are reflected in your actions, in your words, in the way you handle your relationships, in your purity, in your decision-making, all these things. What's in our hands, our act, the actions of our life, they reflect what's going on in our hearts. And so when, is, when the Israelites are bringing this trash to the altar, it's almost as if you can literally, literally hear the voice inside of their heart, right? What do you think their heart is saying, right? They're bringing trash, and you can see, can you see it? Do you see it? Do you hear the attitude of their heart? What are they saying? It's not that big of a deal. It, it's just God. It's not that serious. The opposite of fear and honor, right? We see that the Israelites have no honor and no fear of the Lord in their hearts. And we see it reflected in their hands. You know what's crazy? They would never, they would never give this to another human leader. They would never give this to a leader, right? It's just God. God gets, God gets the leftovers. It's good enough. They would never give the, have this kind of attitude for their earthly leaders, right? And he says to them, like, would you bring that to the governor? He says, entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show any favor to you, says the Lord of hosts? I'm inviting you guys over for dinner Saturday night, my house, right? Come, come one, come all. <laughs> I'm making lamb chop. Okay. Never had lamb chop before? Dude, come try it. It's awesome. And you guys, all week, you know, tonight, you're like laying in bed. You're like, I'm going to go to Sam's house. I'm going to go get lamb chop. Right? <laughs> Thursday in class, all the teachers are, I don't care what you're saying because I'm going to get lamb chop at Sam's house. Friday comes, you don't even go to school, you play sick because you want to stay home and just plan your outfit and what time you're going to show up to Sam's because you're going to get some lamb chop. 
and you show up to my house on Saturday, dude, you can't even like, you just, you peed your pants like four times a day. You're like a little dog. You just can't even contain yourself. And you show up to my house so excited. Ding dong. Are you here for the lamb chop? Yes. Come on in. And you come on in and you sit down and we're super fancy in my house. And so we have these goblets and we have these, and we have these silver trays with like the dome containers. You know, you go, you go slide it up. You know what I'm talking about? To see what's in it. And I come in front of you and I'm like, right? Open close. No, no, no. Not time for the lamb chop. Right? And you're sitting there and you're just like, I can't wait for the. Sam, are we having lamb chop? Oh, yes, we're having lamb chop. So I put the salad on your plate got the fork and the knife. I'm like, are you guys ready? And you're like, mm-hmm, we're ready. And I open up the case. And there's lamb chop with boils. And, and it just kind of has a little sour smell. And you're like, I'm not a lamb chop expert, but is lamb chop supposed to look like this? And I go, you know, not usually, but this particular lamb had worms. So we killed it. And that's actually why we're eating it. That's why I invited you all to my house, because we had to get rid of it anyway. And so, here you go, right? And you're like, you're like, awesome. And you pick up the plate, and it's like, and you're just like, is enough? Mercy? I would never feed another human being this disgusting, lame, sick animal. The Israelites would never give their governor such a disgusting meal. And yet God is saying, you're going to bring that to me? If I try to give you that food, my attitude towards you would be crystal clear. Right? The way that I felt about you would be crystal clear. When God looks at what they're bringing on the altar, he realizes their attitude about him is crystal clear. They do not fear or honor his name. They don't fear or honor his name. And so you gotta, like, when you're listening to a prophet, you gotta read between the lines. You gotta hear the sarcasm, right? Look what he says here. Now, entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Do you hear the sarcasm there? Dude, Malachi's a prophet, okay? He's profiting, not profiting like financially, but he is profiting it up right now, right? So he's like, oh, yeah, I see he brought a sacrifice, yeah. Why don't you just get on your knees and just pray real hard, yeah. Oh, he'll definitely accept it, right? I mean, with such a gift, I mean, of course he's gonna give you favor, right? Yeah, right. And so Malachi, he has this sarcasm. And he's like, guys, this is garbage. Your hands, your, your, your hearts are reflected by what you're bringing in your hands. And like news alert, your hearts are ugly. You're not honoring the name of the Lord. You're not fearing the name of the Lord. There's no reverence and worship. You are despising the name of the Lord. And you know what we like to do? Like when we sin, right? Like when we, when we make decisions and, and do things regarding you know, uh, conversations and relationships and purity and all these things. Here's what we do at Citizens, okay? We externalize our sin. Have you ever externalized your sin? Sam, I don't know what that means. If you tell me, maybe I'll confess to it. Then I'll tell you. Here's what we do. We come and, and we just, we, we do something with our life that's just 
garbage and just not worthy of the Lord. And this is what we do. We go, ah, that, that just wasn't me, though. You know? Like, I, I don't know what came over me. Dude, that's not the real me. Like, I just, ah, you know, it just, I, I know that's not who I really am. It was just, it was just a, an outside mistake. That's, that's just not what's in here. And we talk about sin as if it's this outside persona that temporarily possesses us, right? And we're like, whoa, I, sorry, I don't know what came over me. It was just, I don't know what happened, but that's not really me. Yes, it was. When you look at your sin for what it is, it accurately represents, it accurately shows you, it accurately gives you a glimpse of what's in your heart. If you're speaking, doing, saying, and acting garbage, let's not deny it. Let's look at it for what it is. It's showing us that we have garbage in our hearts. Oh, but that just, that just wasn't me. I know I'm better than that. That was just the, no, that was what was in your heart. Out of the, out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the reason why you said that right there and the reason why you lashed out at your friend and said something that you regret is not because you go, man, I didn't mean it. No, you did mean it in that moment. And you need Jesus to do surgery on your heart. And so students, when you see the sin in your life, when you see the garbage, when you see the things that you're bringing to the Lord that are polluted, let's take this almost like, as not a gift, but let's take advantage of this and realize, dude, that was in my heart. And the quicker that we come to realize the condition of our heart, the quicker we will be able to pray to the Lord and say to him, Jesus, please heal my heart. Right? If we spend all of our time being defensive and going, no, no, that really wasn't me, then we don't need Jesus. But the more aware that you are, middle school and high school students, the more aware of you are of the garbage in your heart, the quicker you're going to go to your knees every morning and say, Jesus, heal my heart. Because this is what's in it. Jesus, heal my heart because this, I, I honestly, my attitude toward you, I didn't honor you there. Those of you who are married in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because what you, by marrying someone, and I want you guys to understand this, by marrying someone, you basically gave someone the keys to your heart and they stand here watching your altar, right? And you can't even get this close with the garbage before they can go, oh, Right? You've basically hired a full-time garbage monitor. <laughs> and if you marry a good spouse, they'll be quick to remind you, hey, your heart is reflected in your hands. Let's talk about your heart. And you have a good spouse who can walk through repentance and confession and express forgiveness. When I sin against my wife, she never goes, it's okay. She never does that because it's not okay. It's garbage. She never says it's okay. She says, I forgive you. I'm not going to hold that against you. I, you know, Sam, you did hurt me when you said that, but you know what, I forgive you. I'm not gonna hold that against you. And she helps me keep the altar clean. We don't deny this sin. I never come to my wife and go, hey, babe, I just, you know, I was just tired and I just really, you know, you're making excuses. Recognize it for what it is. No, I had garbage in my heart, Joe, and I said something that was really embarrassing. I'm sorry. And she helps me keep the altar clean. So let's not externalize sin, Okay. Let's not externalize it. Let's see it for what it is. It is accurately reflecting the attitudes in our hearts. Sound good? So let's finish up here, right? The Israelites, their heart is on full display, right? The attitudes in their heart are on full display, and they are completely inappropriate and unworthy of the Lord. And Malachi, he's going to end it here. He's going to prove to us why it's inappropriate. 
He's going to prove to us why such sacrifices are not worthy of the Lord. And he's going to prove it by painting a picture of the future. Let's look at the last part of our text here. Look what he says, starting in verse 10. Oh, that there were some among you. Look what he says. Oh, that there were, some, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. And here's our memory verse. For those of you following, verse 11 is our memory verse. I'm challenging all of you, underline and memorize verse 11 by the end of this series, okay? For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Last point today, students, is that our picture of the future shapes our worship in the present. Our picture of the future shapes the way that we worship in the present. And so Malachi's a prophet. And what would a prophet be without a little bit of prophecy, right? He paints a picture of the future. He goes, guys, guys sit back, close your eyes. Let me tell you, let me look into the spirit here, right? Let me, let me give you the picture that the spirit is inspiring. Let me tell you the future. And we're like, oh, yeah, I love the future. Who will I marry? Right? No, no, no. Let me tell you the real, like the, the future future. Let me tell you like the ending. And he starts to paint this picture and he says, here's what's gonna happen at the end. God is gonna be sitting on his throne and all day, every day, everywhere, people will be singing the praises of this king. Every single place on the planet will be bringing pure offerings to the Lord because they will realize how great of a king he is. Every single person on the planet will have zero dis despising in their hearts and every single person out of a heart that fears and honors the name of God, every single person will sing praises to this king. There will be zero casualness to it. This is the future. This is the future. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Where can you go on this planet without oxygen? In that day, where can you go on this planet that is not filled with the glory of the Lord? This is the future. This is the word of God. And when you look at that picture of the future, when you realize the trajectory of where all of this is going, that shapes the way that you honor that king now. When you see how great of a king he is and how worthy he is as he sits on the throne in all of his splendor, that affects the way you worship now. And in contrast 
to that picture. In contrast to the ending, we see Israel in the present. And look what they're doing, right? They're not bringing pure offerings. They're profaning it. They're not bringing pure and acceptable sacrifices. They're profaning this. Look what else he says. What a weariness this is. And then you snort at it. Everybody snort. Just go. (laughs) There is zero reverence in their hearts. They're not approaching the altar like this. We get to worship God. We get to worship the king. They go like this. They go, oh, dude, is it Sunday already? I got to go back to the tabernacle. They're promising sacrifices. They're promising their very best. They're being hypocrites that promise all these things for God, but when push comes to shove, they're not, they don't think that God is worthy of it. And so they give them the sacrifices that are blemished. But friends, Malachi gives them this picture of the future because if we have this picture, students, 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 if we like... If we truly understand that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that God is who he is, if we really understood that that's the future, why would we not do that now? If we really understood that the entire earth was going to be singing the praises of God, we wouldn't stand here on a Wednesday night and fold our arms and just chew gum as everybody else sings around us. I'll just wait for the millennia to sing his praises. We'd be singing his praises now. If we realize that one day every single person on this planet is going to bring pure and acceptable offerings to God, we're not going to fool around with things that are not pure now. And we're going to give them our purity and all of these things now because our picture of the future shapes our worship in the present. Students, if we are a community that reflects, not just all of the same, that was super cool, thanks man. No, no, guys, if you go to bed picturing this picture of the future, and you look through the crowd and you find your face and you picture yourself in the sea of thousands of faces singing his praises, I guarantee you that right now in this moment you would fear the name of God who is worthy. When you look at where we're going, when you look at the splendor of God, you will not be able to do anything else but to fear the name of God because he's worthy. He's a great king. He's not to be trifled. He's not your grandma who we feel bad for, but we we patronize her. This is God in all of his splendor. And so the big idea tonight, students, the call from the prophet Malachi, you think I'm intense? Imagine hearing this from Malachi, right? His call is to fear the name of God 